Hey everybody, welcome to your Sunday sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am glad, so glad you decided to take some time and join me today. I believe this is going to be very challenging to you as it is to me. And again, this topic I've touched on before, but I'm going to just elaborate on it a little bit more today. But man, there's so many things going on in the world today, right? All this stuff overseas, but there's a lot more going, even even in our own nation that we're living in right now. We're watching it go into a direction that we we as believers do not want it to go in so many different areas. But uh, we just need to keep continue to pray, continue to believe that everything is going to be turned back around. Amen. But all but no matter what happens, we know that God is always in control and God knows every single thing that's going on. Amen. He is a sovereign, sovereign God. We're going to title this today, Coming to America. Coming to America. We're going to read, first of all, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to read verses 24 through 28. And then we have several other verses throughout this uh, sermon that we're going to read together. But we're going to start with this one. Coming to America is the title, 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28. This is a little bit of the Apostle Paul's testimony about the things that he went through. And as I as I read this now, after having been, uh, after having read, I don't know, five or six books since the beginning of the year uh, on the persecuted church and the persecuted family and what everybody goes through, when I read this now, now I see people overseas, modern day now, are living this out. Uh, but we want to start with what the Apostle Paul told us about his life. He said this, quote, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. And if you don't understand what that is, you just read over that. That is on a bare back. When they lashed Jesus, they did it with a cat of nine tails. It was a leather straps hooked to one hand piece. And on the end of each one of those straps, they, they say that there were sewn into their bone, pieces of bone, sharp edges of bone, ball bearing type things. So when it came across their skin, it lashed their, literally opened their back up. He says in verse 25, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, literally people stoning him, throwing stones at him. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day I have spent adrift at sea. I've been in the ocean uh, and uh, at the, in the middle of the night, and it's it, it can be a very scary place to be. Verse 26, I have been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers. Remember, this is all in his desire to spread the gospel. This is all in his desire to take the gospel of Christ around his world. Dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers at sea, dangers among false brothers. Verse 27, that could be a whole message in itself. Verse 27, I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Whew. Again, I have read that before, before I really began to step into what is happening around the world for those who are truly being persecuted for their faith. And uh, this now has a lot more meaning to me because I, I read, again, of people who are dealing with this on a daily basis. So it happened in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, 
in this area is definitely being carried out in other nations, other nations that are hostile and restricted to Christianity. And that's what our sermon's about. As is that what this nation is coming to? Is what we see happening there is that coming to America? Well, this whole aspect of Paul, shortly after Paul was saved, God asked the man Ananias to go see him. And uh, the Lord informed Ananias that Paul was going to be a special vessel, an unusual servant of God. Paul is, the word of God says, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Then immediately added to that is, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for not my name's sake. And, you know, when you look at this and uh, you realize there's a lot of preaching today about, you know, once you become a believer, you don't have to, you're not, you may have some trials, but everything's going to be rosy. This is the greatest, I mean, this is one of the greatest human beings that lived on the face of the earth. He wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He was a, a, a special vessel of God. And God said, I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer for in my namesake. And that is someone who's being greatly used by God that God basically wanted him to know you were going you are going to suffer for me. And Paul did suffer, as we just read. All those things are great suffering. Uh, but the thing about Paul is he felt that every Christian would suffer for his or her Lord. He wrote in 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, I preached a whole sermon on this a few weeks ago. Indeed, all who desire to live godly, do you desire to live godly in Christ Jesus? It says, then you will suffer persecution. So is this coming to America? And I might just add this truth real quick, and we'll touch on this a little bit later. Christians around the world are suffering for Christ at unprecedented rates. I read one statistic that said around 400 believers per day are being martyred for their faith right here on planet Earth. Right here, right now, as you're listening, there's people in prison because they are Christians, because they have gotten saved, because they have been converted from Islam to Christianity or whatever it may be, they are imprisoned for their faith and in threat of death every single day. So suffering and persecution, are, is it biblically true for a follower of Christ? Well, let me read you a few verses. Romans 5 verses 3 through 5 say this, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. And that's another thing you see from all these true stories and accounts I've read about overseas. These people find joy because they know that if they're suffering, that they are literally living out the word of God. So more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 8 verses 35 through 39 say this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written for your sake, we are all being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor the things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Remember, the person who's writing this or who wrote this is the same one who went through all those things that we just listed at the beginning of the sermon, the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 through 10 says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So today, again, just like in the books of Acts, Christians are persecuted and even killed all over the world for following Jesus. I asked the question, is this coming to America? And some will say, man, this, this sermon is kind of a downer, man. Can't you tell me something about how I'm going to be blessed? And I'm going to be, live an abundant life with a lot of stuff. This is truth right here. This is what, this is what's, I'll tell you something. If, if this persecution, and, and it grows and grows in this nation, this is what's going to separate the true believer from the false professor. This is what's going to separate the wheat from the tares. And those who are truly born again need to hear sermons like this to prepare them for what may be coming. Christian persecution, it it can take many forms, but it is defined as any hostility experienced as a result of, of identification with Christ. It is any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Christ. So we see these trends in Africa, Asia, Middle East, there, there's this intensifying persecution against Christians, and perhaps the most vulnerable of all those groups are the, are the women who are converted Christians now, who are followers of Christ, because they face double persecution for their faith and because of their gender. I read a wonderful book um, about uh, that just ta- talks about all these different stories and true accounts. It's called Women Who Risk. It's about all these true stories about uh, Muslim women who converted to Christianity and differing na- different nations around the world. And, and what they, the moment they get converted, I mean, if anybody finds out, their family will kill them. But guess what? They can't keep their mouth quiet and they got to go tell somebody about Jesus. And they run that risk every day from the moment they're converted. They run that risk not only because of being a Christian, but especially because of being a female North Korea was ranked number one for the 17th consecutive year as the most dangerous country for Christians on the world watch list, and others are creeping up to that as well. Now, these trends, they make sense. We as Christians over here in the world where we live, we we see these things and we say, okay, well, that's for that over there. That's not about us here. You know, someone asked the question, persecutions of Christians only happens in faraway countries, right? Nope. It is starting here. It does, it's not just happening. Now, remember what I said. It is, it is defined as any hostility experienced as a result of identification with Christ. There is pers- Christian persecution happening right here on our own soil. Many are attacked for their faith here. And it may not be to the level of beheadings 
or having their churches burned down or their limbs cut off um, as seen in other places of the world. But it is still a problem that is growing and I do believe it's coming to America in greater intensity. I do believe we need to be ready. We need to have scripture memorized. We need to be filled up with the word of God. We need to be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. So if any of this hits our lives, we are not shocked by it. We are prepared. We are good soldiers of Jesus Christ ready to fight these battles. Um, traditional Christians are facing in this country intolerance um, through being fined over certain things, lawsuits, loss of jobs, um, and just simply the public disdain that's felt against people who name the name of Christ. And listen, anytime communism starts to move into a nation, it's going to automatically try to wipe out anything and anyone that has anything to do with the God of the Bible. And that's what's happening in our nation. That's why all these people are pushing socialism slash communism on our nation. And that is an atheistic agenda. Hates God, hates people, hates con uh, people converted, hates anything to do with Jesus, and it's going to attempt to wipe it out. And if that's where people are trying to push our nation, even in the highest leadership of our nation, is pushing our nation this way, let me tell you something. It's coming to America. Um, and here are some of the ways, someone says, well, what kind of persecution takes place here? Well, here's some of the ways that some people might be experiencing Christian persecution in America. I just listed a few here without even realizing that they are. Let's look at persecution in politics. I looked up this one particular event. There's a lot of politicians in the United States get attacked for their religious beliefs. We've seen that in the, the uh, attempting to appoint certain Supreme Court judges um, and how they just, just go after that person if they happen to be a believer or hold to biblical values. Wow, they are totally outrageously attacked. Another one is there was a uh, that senator from Hawaii, I think her name, last name is spelled or pronounced Hirano, um, and then the then Senator Kamala Harris. Um, they chose very negative and angry questions in an interview with Brian Brucher, who was an Omaha-based lawyer who was nominated by President Trump to sit on the United States District Court for the District of Nebraska. Brucher has a very has very traditional Christian values, and due to his beliefs, he was then subjugated to scrutiny by these two particular senators. Remember, that one is now the vice president of this nation. Well, illegitimate vice president of this nation. So they tried to cast doubt on this guy's ability to serve in public office because of his Christianity. The one thing that should be a fundamental uh, solidifying thing for anybody serving in government should be they should have biblical values and biblical beliefs. But instead of that being one of the main things to look at and to and to applaud and to realize is a great attribute for that person's life, it is looked at with disdain. How about persecution on college campuses? Uh, if you know any Christian millennial that goes to a liberal college, and basically all of them are now, you might have heard about how their beliefs are judged. Uh, at campuses throughout the country, outspoken Christians, they are regularly demeaned, debased, and targeted for their beliefs. I heard a lot of this at the uh, Turning Point USA conferences that I 
happen to do some security at, and you hear a lot of different stories from the students that go to those about how, how they are demeaned and debased and targeted for their beliefs, all because, all because they live a Christian life, all because they have a conservative value. And you know how the big thing is now, now that someone knows that you're a racist, you're a white supremacist, and they have to deal with all that. That's, that's a form of persecution. And many times these Christian college students, they'll hear from others about how, you know, their religion is hateful and bigoted and filled with racist people and white supremacists, like I said earlier. And, you know, there's even Christian colleges uh, themselves that have been in jeopardy lately. Um, some have been asked to conform to secularist secularist ideology or they will lose their accreditation that's just a few examples of persecution on college campuses how about persecution in public schools and just like many of the college campuses public schools get hit really hard as well student groups like intravarsity have a christian organization got kicked off uh, got gets got kicked off of campuses uh, a teacher in new jersey was suspended for giving a student a bible whoo that's, that's where the nation's going. A football coach in Washington placed on leave for saying a prayer on the field at the end of the game. As I read this, that reminds me back to the days I was captain of my high school football team. I was not saved. I had no idea about prayer. But before we started the game, all the guys would get together in a big huddle and I led the prayer. I wish I would have had a recording because I have no idea what I said, but I was praying. That kind of stuff happens nowadays, and they will kick you out of the, they will expel you from the school. Prayer in school has been a topic that's been fought over for years. And uh, young people trying to pray over their meals, they are shut down. They're looked like a, some kind of a weirdo by their peers. They start to get bullied by their teachers. And uh, a lot of times teachers won't step into this because they feel they can't, you know, touch on any of those subjects because they're afraid themselves they're going to get bullied or lose their job. So instead they choose to censor all religion in the classroom and they let ignorance and bullying flourish. Unfortunately, persecution against Christians in the United States is not something that is avoidable. It is here and it is going to be growing. It's coming to America. It's something that Christians will have to deal with more and more and truly begin to understand. But let me throw this caveat here. The key to coping and dealing with the persecution of Christians and Christianity in the U.S. is how we react to that persecution. In a lot of the books that I'm reading, I'm going to read a little bit of one at the end. These, uh, a lot of these uh, people that get converted in these hostile nations, it is absolutely amazing. They will be filled with the Holy Spirit because they're a believer, right? And now they they have this sense of they 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 feel compassion for their persecutor. I I. I've, the one book I read about tortured for Christ, he would pray for the, his torturers and uh, this ability to forgive and to pray. That's how we have to learn to be able to deal with this. There, there's a key to coping and dealing with this. And um, the key to understanding and thriving through persecution is in reacting to it as Jesus reacted to it. Jesus did not seek revenge on his enemies, but instead he was called to turn the other cheek. When Jesus was on the cross, he prayed for forgiveness for those who put him there. We can do the same. We are expected to do the same. I will not say that that is easy, 
I will not say that that is going to be easy. You have got to have the power of the Holy Spirit to help you to be able to be someone who can forgive your persecutors and pray for them. A lot of these people that are overseas that I read in these books, they, uh, they literally will lead their persecutors to faith in Christ. Um, followers of Christ have been persecuted from the beginning. But we can grow and we can overcome and learn how to deal with all the negativity. But it is here and it is growing and it is continuing to come. We need to stand up. Listen to this. We need to stand up for what we know is true. Share Christ with other people and ignore those who want to put us down. Don't let this negativity and this peer pressure and this persecution shut your mouth in sharing the gospel with other people. Stand up for what you know and for what you believe in and do what Jesus called you to do and tell other people about him. Amen. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, very clearly, he said, anyone who wants to follow me must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Listen, this is a command that is at odds with our flesh's desire to please itself. It challenges totally worldly wisdom, which preaches self-fulfillment as our highest aim. The cross is a radical thing, and declaring Jesus as the Lord of our lives involves a dethroning of our self and complete abandonment to his will. Yes, it's coming to America, but this is how we're going to deal with it. We're going to be people who deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him and go against the flow that's definitely going in the other direction. These lifestyle changes, you live this way, it's going to change your lifestyle. They will follow such a commitment because, listen, these the way we, the way we look at life now, or I look at life, and you should be looking at life, is radical. Uh, from the from the standards of other people um, who within the world who are within the world's definition of normal, and this is radical thinking. But to us, it's the way we're supposed to live. To Jesus, it's just simply the way that we are supposed to live. We are supposed to follow Him, deny ourselves, take up His cross, and follow after Him. This to us is not something that's abnormal. This is normal to us. To the world, it's radical, but to us, it's just the way we're supposed to be living our lives. Listen, this is one of the things that frustrates me. It's not enough for all the atheists out there, the homosexuals, the socialists, the communists, and the cultural leftists to have their own freedom and equality to believe whatever they believe. No, they want to ensure that me as a Christian, I'm not permitted to live out my own faith and my convictions without retribution. That's where the nation is going. That's how some of this persecution is coming. They get to live and say and do anything they want to do that is totally anti-God, but I'm not allowed to live out my life as a man of God the way the Bible tells me to live, because if I do, there's going to be retribution against my life. This is the legacy of the new tolerance movement. That's what's moving into this nation. That is part of the... Um, persecution that is coming to this nation. So you got to ask the question, are the doors of our 400 year window of liberty closing? And honestly, when we look around, it looks like it is. They're trying to take away the freedoms, let's say of myself to believe what I want to believe, to, to have a biblical worldview, to, to hold to what the word of God says. Listen, it's not about what I think about 
concerning particular lifestyles or what people do or what they say. It's not about, it's about what the word of God says, but they don't want me to live my life according to what the word of God says. They're going to shut me down, declare me a racist and a bigot and a white supremacist, but they can do anything that they want to do. And I'm expected to let them get away with it. And I am expected to just shut my mouth. Listen, that 400-year 400 400 window of liberty closing, the answer to that will be determined by what this generation of Christians in America does in the next 10 years. There's going to be something has got to turn this around. Can, can, can persecution come to America? Listen, it's beginning. If you just simply look around you, you can see that is not just coming to America, it is in America right now. Again, we see where anything that speaks of God, anything that speaks of his word, brings condemnation from a rebellious world. You go to Washington, D.C. and all those great monuments, anything that has God on it, they want to get rid of it. How about that woman that was in uh, Kentucky who, because of her Christian beliefs, she wouldn't bow to the judicial pressure to issue a same-sex marriage license to gay couples. Man, she just, because of her belief, what she, what she believed to be true, because she lived her life according to the Bible, man, she was labeled terribly. In this country, this is a problem. We have the freedom. Listen, we, this is one of the benefits or should be a benefit. In this country, we have the freedom to stand against unjust laws that circumvent clear biblical morality. But our country and its leaders, though, have gone rogue in subjecting this country to laws that were not meant for free people. Folks, that's a form of persecution against those who are followers of Christ. Listen, I'm not advocating revolution. But I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are just about fed up with the direction of this country and the direction that it's headed in. There are a lot of patriotic Americans and conservative Christians um, that have been labeled by the leadership, by the current POTUS of this nation. They have been labeled as political terrorists because we hold to biblical values. Think about that. Literally. Patriotic Americans and conservative Christians, followers of Christ, repeatedly labeled as potential terrorists because of what they believe. Listen, if this had happened one time only, it'd be easy to dismiss it. But there's this steady stream of this happening over the past several years, and it's really, really been emphasized in the last year of this new president. Problem is, almost nobody trembles at the word of God. Nobody trembles before God himself in this present society in America. We, this nation has become proud. It's broken and it glorifies in self-esteem and positive thinking. And that the problem with that is, is there's too much of that positive thinking that's preached in the pulpits when in the pulpit we should be preaching, repent, get your life right with Christ, repent and come to Christ, serve and follow after him. Don't preach this mamsy, pamsy, positive, self-help kind of thinking from the pulpits in America. Preach righteousness, preach, preach repentance, and preach holiness. We have this self-centered idea of ourselves. Um, we look at flesh like it's some kind of a little G God, but we've lost respect 
for the true and the living God in this nation. And because we don't need to fear him, we do not respect him, and we are therefore slowly replacing him with an impersonal God more on our human level. Listen, this is happening in our nation, and as it continues to deteriorate, guess what? More and more persecution will continue to come, and more and more. This is what's going to happen. The persecution is coming to America, and it's going to get, it's going to rise in its intensity. And it's going to take people who have some backbone to stand up for what they believe in. Amen. I wanted to read this real quick and then I'll close with some thoughts out of this book. This is a book that was written by Voice of the Martyrs uh, and it, it's inspiring stories of Christians facing Islamic extremists. And on this one page it says this, just bear with me as I read a little bit. Read a little bit of this. It says, sacrifice is never far from the hearts and minds of Jesus followers who are persecuted by Islamic extremists. For them, you can look at it the same way those who are being persecuted by extremists here. Amen. Uh, for them, the consequences of obedience to Christ are clear. The sacrifices they make are certain and well-defined. Before they choose Jesus as Lord and Savior, they count the cost of being his disciple. They know that once their faith becomes visible to others, persecution will come. They expect it and they accept it. They understand Paul's words in Romans 12.1 in a way few of us can. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, and they make that personal sacrifice every day. They witness for Jesus in hostile communities rather than fleeing to safer countries and are often arrested, jailed, beaten, tortured, or killed. They prepare their children for persecution and even martyrdom as the consequence of living out their faith in Jesus. They face daily beatings or even expulsion from their once protective Muslim families through which all of life's opportunities flow, food, shelter, education, marriage, and work, all because of Christ. They lose all that. Their homes and possessions are confiscated or destroyed, driving them to live in refugee camps where they have nothing to call their own and no promise of food, shelter, or safety for tomorrow. The depth of their sacrifices in order to serve Jesus faithfully is hard for us to comprehend if we haven't experienced such persecution. Yet our brothers and sisters who follow Jesus in Muslim countries proclaim through word and action, it's worth it. We are disciples of Jesus. We will remain committed to God and his kingdom no matter what sacrifices are required. We are called to make disciples regardless of what happens we have hope because Jesus promised to prepare a place for us where we will be with him forever. And last paragraph, as you read the firsthand stories that follow, may God open your eyes to see the world in which your brothers and sisters choose to be living sacrifices for Christ. May he open your heart to love and to stand with them. That's what we need here. It may not be, it may be from Muslim extremists, it may be from just atheistic extremists, but it's coming from people who don't like God, don't like the Bible, and simply hate Christianity. And it's going to cause us to get our lives to a point where, listen, we, we, we see it, we know it's coming, but we are prepared to stand our ground on behalf of Christ. There have been people who've been martyred throughout the generations 
who've been burned at the stake and eyewitness accounts say they sang their way to glory. There are people, the Apostle Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down, martyred simply for the cause of Christ. We're living in a world in many places, a large majority of it hates Christianity, hates Christ, hates God, and hates you if you have anything to do with it. It's coming to America. you got to get yourself ready. How do I get myself ready, you say? You've got to be someone. You've got to start praying every day. got to spend time in prayer. you got to get a deep relationship that's committed to God. you got to get into the Word of God and start memorizing Scripture. Get that down in you so in your time of need, that verse, those verses just begin to flow out of you and bring you life and bring you peace and bring you joy no matter what the circumstance is like. I'm not trying to preach anything that's trying to bring some kind of you know downer to you or nay. I I'm trying to tell you the truth. It's happening hugely in places overseas. It's trying to come here, but we as men and women of God are not going to let it capture us. We as followers of Christ are not going to let this drag us down, but we are not going to be followers of Christ who compromise with the world's standard. We will stand for our faith and we will take the consequences that come along with it, but in Jesus' name, we will never quit. We will never give up. We will never renounce the name of Christ. That's why I'm preaching this to you today, to get yourself ready, get fed up, get fired up, and get filled up with the power of the Holy Spirit, and let him walk you through this with great courage and great faith and great tenacity. Amen. Even though it's coming to America, we're going to be ready. Amen. Let me pray over you right now. Father, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord God, that there are truths here. We see it all around us. Sometimes we don't want to think about it, but it's truth. We've got to think about it because we've got to get prepared for it. So I pray for all of us, myself included, for Jana, for all the rest of those who are listening to this right now, that we would prepare ourselves, God, in the Word of God. We prepare ourselves in prayer. We prepare ourselves spiritually. We'd spiritually put on our whole, the whole armor of God, be ready to fight any battle that comes against us, and we will be people like those we read in these true accounts of these books. God, they stand. No matter what happens to them, they never recant. They never renounce Christ. They never give in to the battle. They always stand for the truth of the Word of God. So I thank you that we will be people of great backbone, people of great courage, and people of strong, committed, deep faith. So we thank you for this time together. We thank you, Lord God, in all of it. You are the Lord of all. You are the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. And you are the sovereign God of the universe. And we thank you that in you, we will always have the victory. So we thank you and we praise you for these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I hope this has filled you up. I hope this has fired you up. And I hope this has opened up your eyes and your heart to some truths that you may not have thought about before. Amen. Stay strong in your faith. Amen. God bless you.